So, very good morning, everybody. Our date is the 21st of February, 2023. <coughs> and we're looking at uh, living in Spain and developing it deeper in part two. Okay, I'm sure you know by now that um, my special guest is Matt King. I'll tell you the weather here in Spain for me is absolutely grey and sort of misty. But then again, it is early, it'll burn off and we'll have a nice day. So, good morning to you, Matt. And uh, first of all, how are you? I am top of the pop. So I've got a little bit of a cough still, cold, but it's that time of year. But I'm grateful to be alive and, uh, as you said, it doesn't matter what the uh, weather's like, but uh, as long as we're all uh, safe, well and happy, that's uh, as much as we can uh, ask for. Yeah. Well, now, uh, we started talking about uh, living in Spain last week and we put various aspects together. Um, One uh, thing that we'll start developing is the size of Spain because... A lot of people obviously come to the country. In fact, there's a, a new sort of political development in the, in the tourism industry. There's going to be sort of a tourism tax is proposed across the EU. But Spain in particular uh, know that this is detrimental to their business with uh, the UK. And, uh, of course, um, you know, uh, as somebody says, what are we what are we being charged for? <laughs> of course, they're not being charged for anything, really. We're just being charged, uh, or the the British people coming to Spain uh, and other places, but, you know, certainly the British market here are being charged for the privilege of being able to spend their uh, money in Spain and uh, take all the little risks that you have to take, or sometimes great risks, to actually get from your home uh, to come to the other country and enjoy what it is that attracts you and appeals to you to come to Spain. So, not good news on that front um but the size of spain when you look at uh, geographically it's between three and four times the size of the uk and certainly um if you're going to drive from for example if you're going to drive all the way from bilbao right down to where we are well we're talking probably eight hours driving sensibly um so there's a comparison in the length but of course, it's the breadth. You know, Britain is seventy miles wide. Uh, when you actually look at um, Spain, wow! If you come from Galicia in the uh, west and goes right uh, right across to say Barcelona in the east, that's going to take you quite a while, isn't it? Oh, it is. It is. Is it double? The width is it double the width to oh, the height? I'm not oh, sure. It's, but it's, it's far more. Oh, so, sorry. Uh, the the length and the width in Spain. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're probably yeah. right if you're going on on that sort of thing. Um, I mean, if you're going to go from Barcelona, I would imagine you've got to allow two days, haven't you? Really, uh, to, to to get, get across that. Oh yeah, to get across that, you've got two two full days driving. I think eight hours each day, probably to get all the way across. Yeah, I know. But I've I've done it. I've actually done. Where we live to uh, to Santander in six and three quarters, but that was on a motorbike, a very fast motorbike, <laughs> and with the wind behind me, shall we say? Yeah. 
Well, I, I know uh, we were quite lucky, really, because uh, our eldest son came to live in the Basque Country. So then uh, we'd visited the Basque Country, got to know uh, how nice it is. And then they went to live down in Cadith area for a while and then went up the coast um, to Chicla de Frontera, which is sort of on the way to Portugal. So we got a good knowledge <laughs> of that particular area as well, um, which, of course, is very different. And as you travel across Spain, um, then I think many people, uh, if they've been on uh, on that particular drive, you do know that uh, the Spanish meseta is the table and it sort of elevates you above sea level. Um, but certainly it's a very different panorama as you drive across, isn't it? Oh, totally different. Totally different. Um, when you're when you're when you're going sort of 180, it don't, you don't see it so well. But when I've done it on the slower routes, when I've been across, it's absolutely amazing how everything changes. That when you get up to the plateau before you descend down the other side, you don't really know that you've risen quite as high as you have. And then when you actually go down to Santander or Bilbao, it is um, it's it's you must be right when you come back you must be it must be 30 minutes up i would have thought when we come up you come up that motorway i would think i'm guessing but mm. it's got to be it's, it's phenomenal height difference yeah uh, and of course the, the the other big change which seems to have been uh, taking place over the previous 10 years or so is as you go uh, from valencia uh, and go up towards teruel and across the middle of spain and up in uh, up towards the basque country um, we've got all these wind farms now which is very similar to california uh, i remember the first time that I went to California and you, you see the enormity of these wind farms stretching for miles. You, you can see why they've got to be there. You know, at the end of the day, uh, it, it provides electricity and uh, changes maybe the carbon footprint and all this sort of thing. Um, but it is, um, you know, I won't say it's a blot on the landscape but it doesn't look as pretty as fields of maybe, you know, crops and uh, animals, which you don't see as many. And by the time you throw in the, um, the solar panels, they, you know, the fields of solar panels are not really what you'd call a joy to behold, are they? No, I mean, the, the, you know, necessity against practicality. I don't know. Uh, they're, they're certainly ugly. In my view, they're they're ugly. They're they're a feat of engineering for sure. I don't know if you've ever seen the the actual wings being transported. Yes. Uh, the blades they are enormous, uh, incredibly large, and the towers obviously are made in sections. But the blades are all one piece and phenomenal engineering efforts. But then when you multiply it by the thousands of uh, of actually wind farms that are around in the, especially in the north. Uh, I had a, a Puente Molinos, um, I had a friend who, who used to go flying up there, glider flying, and, and it's quite popular up there because of the, because of the winds, and therefore logically up, up north is, is, a, is the place to, uh, to, to put the wind farms. But then you're right, I, I, I think they're a blot on the landscape when you look at them visually, they're horrible. Well, when you look at it also from something that I saw, uh, not that, you know, I, I'm uh, serving the god of Netflix or anything, but uh, there was a, a movie that I looked at and it was the life of Dick Cheney, who was the sec uh, was the uh, vice president in the UK. Uh, oh, 
of America. Maybe that's maybe that's a Freudian slip. Maybe he was. Maybe he was making decisions uh, on behalf of the oh, Americans. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, um, but he, he he says in this particular documentary uh, that they were going to use uh, climate change as sort of a weapon for um, taxation, and uh, you know he developed that quite a bit. So uh, really, when you look at all the green stuff, I think um, you, you know by all means it's not a bad idea to get rid of the the plastic and obviously you know whatever. But you really look at a map of the world, looking down, and you look at uh, Spain, and you see the size of Spain, and you look at the size of the UK, and you realise that really whatever the UK does is a fraction of what goes on around the world and really the way the UK have been sort of duped into taking everything and everything the the Greens are saying as, as sort of gospel um, I'm not really convinced of you know just exactly what's going on yet um, yes of course climate change is a worry but I think you probably can make a, a pretty good argument for the fact that it's going to happen no matter what happens, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you, you, you just have to be a bit of a historian and look back. through. I was watching a programme with, with Stephen Fry, I think it was called Dinosaur. But they're yeah. going through all of the Paleolithic and the, um, all, of the, all of the eras with the dinosaurs. But the climates, the, the climates went through hot, deserty times to, to uh, ice age, to back to, to hot, hot climes again. It's, there is a pattern, it is a, and the world is, is shrinking. There is more water now. Um, and they're saying, okay, well, the, the water's receding and uh, the, the land is being uh, sort of um, reclaimed by the water again because the ice caps are melting. Well, that, that's nothing new, and it's just what's possibly going to happen. And, and this volcanic... Um, uh, action in uh, Turkey, very sad as it is, but it's just, it's just the earth responding to somebody digging a hole the other side of the world or something like that. That's what. That's my opinion of it, anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I I know that uh, back in the seventies, I had a visit from uh, a department of the police in in the UK. And uh, it was a friend, by, by the way. So uh, it wasn't. I was going to say, what have you done? It's not like you. <laughs> well, no. What what it was? Um, he, he was involved with a unit which was advising people of where the sea was likely to be rising over the next fifty years. Now we're about fifty years later, and I did see on a map recently that that part of Wirral has been identified as as at risk. So um, you, you know, the, these things I think people have known for a long time, but again. It's the politicians capitalising quickly on what they see as another opportunity to scare the living daylights out of people. Um, we stay with the politicians because in one respect, when I first came to Spain, we came here um, as a result of joining the common market. Now, when we got here, I must admit, I expected to find Spanish as you would expect. 
But the amount of foreigners who live here is actually quite amazing. I think if you uh, go to, say, Lanuthia or uh, Alfaz del P and see that there's about 147 nationalities or something like that uh, represented on the international days, then, uh, you know, if people are coming in those sorts of numbers, um, then obviously you would half expect a, um, an explosion of the um, uh, of the population figures for Spain but they don't seem to be that I think the last figures I th- thought were 47 million um, and I think that uh, Britain is probably well over 70 million now uh, especially when you look at the illegal people that um, are being uh, sort of shepherded around the various hotels in Britain at well, the moment they don't know do they Vince they've got they haven't got these census it's a joke I mean I don't know if you ever managed to do it but I when I was a student I actually fell on a census year and I went round and got myself a job going round to the houses, knocking on the doors and passing the census papers out. I mean, and the, and the, even that, even though it was an obligatory census, some of the, the attitude to some of the foreigners that were there led me to, to, to think, maybe incorrectly, that they were illegals. They weren't supposed to be there anyway and therefore wouldn't sign the census form. In theory, they were breaking the law then. Um, I'd... I know things have changed now because it's not done the same way, um, partly because it was quite expensive because I can remember I got paid very well, even as a student, for doing that. But um, I, I don't believe you can believe any of these census figures anywhere anymore. No, no, I, I, I can understand exactly what you're saying. Um, I, I raise this for two reasons. The first one is that um, we are allowed to vote at the local elections. So if somebody came to live over here, uh, as long as you get yourself on the padron, which you remember, that was the electoral registrar, uh, and, and the, you sign up and obviously get all the papers in order to, uh, to be here as a resident, um, then we are allowed to vote in local elections. And it's only then that really people seem to take an interest and want you to um, get Get involved with the politics here. Um, I remember being contacted by the mayor of um, uh, Benidorm via a third party, by the way, um, and he wanted me to go and uh, do an interview with him down at the town hall. And we put out a podcast which was basically um, trying to make sure that the Brits would um, cast their votes. And it was for the PSOE at the time, the Labour Party. Um, so when it comes to the national elections, we aren't allowed to vote. And I really do wonder why there is that difference. Because if you're allowed to vote at a local level, uh, then I don't really see the problem of allowing us to vote that, at the national level unless I'm missing something. Any ideas on that one? Well, I, yeah, I mean, like, like you, I have a lot of uh, Spanish friends. Um, some of them pro-government, some anti-government. But, you know, there's still, even with the middle-aged, uh, younger middle-aged uh, people of Spain, the Spanish people, there's still this massive um, divide between Franco supporters and non-Franco supporters. And I don't believe that as a stranger, unless you've really studied it, that you, are, you fully understand the depth at which Franco affected some, some think positively and some think 
very negatively um, that he affected Spain and the way things actually... I mean, he was responsible for building social housing, which not many people know. He built thousands of homes, cheap homes for people. I think they were free, but he built these homes for people. He built the whole motorway infrastructure. Um, that was during his time. Um, but also, because he was the head of the Guardia Civil, um, he, he had people and friends of mine had family removed from their houses, shot on the side of the road, and then left, not allowed to be buried in any grave. Um, and that was his dictate. That was he, he was a dictator. What he said ruled. But, you know, there was good and bad to him. Um, uh, and I used to think he was just a bad person. Um, not very good with some of the stories that we, we were told. But Spain has had to deal with that. And relatively, I mean, he died in the 70s, I believe. Yeah. Um, very recently, re relatively speaking. But people lived under his rule for, for 30, 40 years. And he did, well, like I say, whilst he did a lot of good, he also divided people here and that's a very strange when you're when you're talking to the older spanish people not many will talk about that period of time no you, you, you can't you, to open up you're absolutely you're absolutely right uh one of the other members of our podcast team uh terry whitehead has lived here uh, at that time uh so he puts me in the picture quite a lot and the the strange thing about my life is that uh, when i was doing my a levels i studied the spanish civil war i also studied the russian revolution and both spain and uh, russia have become part of my life in in certain ways um but certainly uh, Terry is quick to tell me that it was Franco that put in the reservoirs, which yeah. uh, were, we now benefit from. Uh, and, and like you were saying, I remember we were running an English class up at the town hall and we came to be talking. I don't know how it came about uh, around such areas we're discussing now. And uh, there were certain members of my group didn't want to discuss, which uh, I, I was happy to say, well, OK, you know, that's fine. I respect that. And uh, we move forward. Um, and how long ago was that? Well, that was uh, probably looking back now, probably about 10 years, I would think. Right. 10 years. Mm. And even now, there are still people that will not, the, mem the memory runs, you can imagine if you had a member of your family that was against, uh, against the regime, just with the door would knock, be pulled out, put on the knees and shot in front of them. I mean, that is incredible, but that happened 60 years ago. Yeah. I mean, it's not that long ago and people won't forget that and it will be handed down. And nobody wants to talk about that because no. I think they're frightened that somebody else is going to come along and do the similar thing. Although the Guadalajara has lost its potential since Franco died, it's still a, a force to be uh, not to be messed with. But there's a, a, a I mean, it, it is. I I have a I have another little story for you regarding that. Um, somebody that um, I know and who shall be named. Uh, remain nameless and faceless mm -hmm. um, owned a couple of the the uh, the, the putty clubs the um, the uh, the naughty ladies clubs along the strada on the m332 and he he was actually money laundering as well but we were my 
I got to to invite my friends. We were invited to his house, and he put on this splendid, I mean, unbelievable. Everybody got a whole leg of lamb to eat in front of them. I mean, they, very old school Spanish, very old cool. But he, as the afternoon went on, the drink flowed more and more of the most expensive whiskies and brandies that you could ever imagine came out. We, of course, imbibed because it was, I was drinking at the time a little bit more. And at the end, towards the end of the afternoon, we went across early, said, I've got something to show you. And we went across the yard and we went down behind his swimming pool. And behind the swimming pool, down below the swimming pool, was a room that was enormous, 20 foot by 20 foot, massive. And it was laden with bottles of whiskey and all around the walls in these cabinets. It was, it, it was really eclectic. The whole scenario was spooky. Anyway, we got to the bar. We went behind the bar and it was full of, of uh, whiskies. He clicked a button. He opened the bar up, and inside the bar, the back of the bar, I kid you not, was an armory. Mm. There were grenades, rifles, pistols. I mean, I'm not talking about 10. I'm talking hundreds, hundreds. And he was still keeping that ready for the revolution that was going to come. He did actually about five years ago, I believe, I've done... My memory's not brilliant, as you know, uh, from my stroke, but I think it was five to six years ago. Uh, I mean, that sort of thing, by the way, doesn't go from your brain. You see that, uh, yeah. you know, that for me, that was absolutely frightening. I suddenly became very sober and uh, mm -hmm. life uh, seemed to flash before me. And I thought, oh, my goodness me, what am I doing here? Yeah. But subsequently, he was arrested. The clubs were closed down. And it, there was a video on... Uh, facebook or on on one of the cha news channels of it, of the toilet being removed and finding thousands hundreds of thousands of euros stashed in all sorts of places throughout the house wow and again he was ready to fund an army mm. it, it, it's quite surprising and this is this is probably 10 years ago mm. 10 years ago uh, and of course, uh, for those people that, that aren't aware, um, you know, uh, Franco did reward many of the Germans that had been a part of, obviously, the, uh, the Germans' uh, development. And uh, they were sort of in the uh, uh, in league with the uh, Frankistas, I think they're called. Uh, the, the, so Franco, Franco um, there was Germany and there was Italy. Um, I, we don't see as many Italians, but we certainly do have many, many German people that are here. And I think the interesting thing for me is that when you actually look at the type of um, people that are here in large numbers, um, you can quite clearly see that one thing that Spain seems to be able to do quite quite um, well, very well, is allow people to come in and have an area which is, say, you know, there's a lot of German people live there, a lot of French people live there. Obviously, the British people, we've got lots of people along the coast going all the way right down Torrevieja and then down to the Costa del Sol and right up as you go really um, sort of east of where we're, where we're living. You know, it's it's to whatever extent 
groups of people decide to integrate really because otherwise uh, you do know as I've met many many German people that don't speak Spanish um, we have most English people have the basics of Spanish but I think you know uh, the the likes of you not, and not I, if you live in Benidorm <laughs> well yeah uh, having said that you see um, I, I've met certain people that have been here made the life here and uh, become very successful in what they've done here you know like for example Vinnie at Churchill's um, Kathy Humphreys when she was alive when she was working for the papers um, uh, Christine from the palace I mean we're, we're talking about Aunt Terry uh, who's still building and, and uh, you know these uh, have got a different story to tell uh, which really allows me to see what is here not just certainly for those that come across from from the UK, go to Benidorm from the airport, drink for a fortnight, then go back home and think that that's the only thing that Spain has. I mean, you know, we really, through these podcasts, hopefully can develop ideas that other people won't understand. You know, the numbers of different groups of different nationalities is quite... Um, it's quite uh, astonishing when you actually look at it because, you know, Spain and the Spanish people allow us to come here and, and settle. And, um, you know, some people are very, very much still part of their own nationality, uh, whereas, you know, there are a few. And I think uh, we could add ourselves into the number who try to integrate both at the language level, but also the cultural level, because I think that's uh, where we go next. Because really, if you look at the culture of Spain, um, you know, where I live here up uh, near Denia, there is um, a claim for the gastronomic capital of Spain. I mean, it is amazing the amount of different restaurants that you have here. Obviously, down in Altea, Albia, uh, that sort of area, they, they, they flourish. They seem to have prol proliferate. And um, alongside, you've got uh, very classic Spanish restaurants that do well as well. So uh, your thoughts on living as part of the international group here? Well, it's that's you know listening to you saying that that it sort of say I, I I yes obviously I am international I moved here 24 years ago uh, but I complete feel as though I'm completely integrated into that Spanish side of of life I, I do notice that there's a lot of Germans uh, I do notice there's a lot of Dutch especially around Altea um, there's a lot of Spanish. Um, as well that now holiday more i think because of the brits moving away because there's definitely a reduction not in benidorm but in general area people live in the brits have had to move back or some of them sensibly have moved back many i know also live under the radar in campsites here and and haven't got their their tickets and passes to haven't done the right thing and got their knee number, knee, the knee sorted or their residentia sorted, which is because they don't speak Spanish. They're frightened to go and do uh, any of these, um, um, uh, what's the word, I've lost it, but these these uh, correct things that you have to do to live in Spain, um, you, you, they've, they've forgotten. They don't, they, they, they've either forgotten not to do it or they just don't speak the language uh, but they they only need to be stopped in their car that isn't taxed properly or they're 
and it, and it goes straight through to the they're not they're not behind anymore spain no. spain has got the technology that it can read your car number plate and it will go straight to a computer which will tell them if you've got etuv or the equivalent of mot or if you've got insurance or if you or where you're registered or if you're english how long your car has not been uh, has been in spain for then they're not stupid anymore they they actually are currently so do i i i know lots of dutch people here i know lots of germans like you do we, you meet them everywhere you go but you're right they don't seem to it's not just the brits it's all of them don't seem to want to they want to to be in spain because of the weather because of the climate because how it is but they don't want to seem to want to integrate with the spanish people and you miss out so much yeah if you don't integrate with them it's incredible well, I, I know from things we've talked about in the past uh, of your experience and, you know, how you've integrated, whereas, um, you know, I've had to try and find the right way to do certain things. Um, but then, of course, the radio station came into my life and it was a Spanish company called Ondathero. And uh, where Matt and I met, we were at a British radio station, uh, which came along after the Ondathero days. But the thing about Ondathero, was that uh, it was a Spanish station so uh, it was also very similar to the BBC in the way it ran so that basically it's not what we have now which is just computers and music lists and people really not discussing the the really important issues of the day so this is where i think my podcasts are really uh, hopefully going to fill a gap because for example um when we first came here every single year we'd be on air discussing the gas men cometh and these were guys who used to come round to your house so if you've got a house over here or you're living over here and you get a knock on the door telling you that the gas has to be examined and you have to pay for all new um uh fittings etc you know uh, that was one thing then we had to make sure that people uh were on the uh, uh, the electoral register we tried to uh, get people in to tell us all about the things that had to be done in those days um, i can remember having to go down to um the police in Benidorm about seven o'clock in the morning um, I remember having to go and stand in a queue which would be there till about probably um, about one o'clock we used to go seven o'clock till one o'clock is a long time to wait in a queue um, oh yeah you know so we had all those types of things but the the, th the most important thing was that we were having people coming to the radio studios and being interviewed about aspects of life in spain what people were doing in business uh, what we were trying to um, work at all the time was the integration process um, then of course the first recession hit in 2008 and um, uh, they decided that the international branch of the radio station was going to be pulled and so instead of having one in Marbella and one in Altea which was international using English but very effectively to try and sort out what was pro what were problems and what needed to be uh, given to the listening people, um, uh, you, you know, uh, the information that at the moment I think a lot of people aren't getting. You know, by all means, uh, that the newspapers are still going, um, but you know, uh, I think being. Do you mean the trash papers? 
yes, the, the, the trouble is, of course... It's all, being, it's all being controlled now, Vince. I think that's the problem. Here we go off on our conspiracy theory. <laughs> but I, I, I believe that it's news. How do you define news? I mean, the, the, when I was younger, there was a definition of news. But I'm afraid news now isn't news like it used to be anymore. It's, uh, it's what they want you to know and what they want you to believe. And Big Brother has arrived. Well, you know, I mean, uh, I, I can't. Horrible. Well, I can tell you from, you know, working for the BBC and working for Onda Thero that um, most of what I did came from my own efforts and not from directives of anybody else. And I think uh, you're quite right to raise the, the fact that uh, we did cover news a couple of uh, podcasts back and uh, you know we were talking about uh, items that were noteworthy and where you have the news now I think you're quite right the same as in Britain uh, you have things that are coming up on the TV screens in front of you certainly the adverts mainly towards um, the, the intervals in between the news bulletins and in between the, uh, the telenovelas the soap operas yes you can see quite clearly that something is being orchestrated to the depth i'm not sure because obviously like everybody else i can only uh, with you in particular uh, surmise these things whereas you know we'll probably well will we learn the truth i'm not sure uh, but local radio i think needed and always should go above and beyond playing records unfortunately at the moment uh, we have a station down in benedorm which is doing a good job musically uh, but when it comes to the important side of radio, for me, uh, you need somebody with an educated mind that can give you important items which should be newsworthy, which is what, what you are identifying. Um, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I sort of disagree with you in a way because I think that a particular radio station that I believe you're talking about, which we won't mention, but that even... Even there is a news program early in the morning run by somebody, a mutual friend of ours, I believe, or somebody we both know, a colleague. Um, but it's completely biased to the Spanish. It's, it's not Spanish news as such. It's, it's almost like he is a police officer reporting on the various uh, events that happen around the... the the place some of them local some of them national but it's it's too official it's too um it it, it it's it's too biased towards spain and a lot of people won't be interested in that type of news okay in Look, my opinion I, in I, my opinion I can't really agree or disagree because at the moment life is so difficult to to make a firm judgment on. Uh, knowing the way radio works, probably it's the easiest way they can get a news bulletin. And so they go to an official source. So I suppose really, um, you, you know, that's probably why it will sound the way it sounds. My, my guess is that... Uh, oh, it's a, no, it's an individual presenter doing it his way. It's not a. It's not an. It's not really an organised thing like you would have done with on the Thero or with the BBC. It is these. Well, you know how these local radio stations work. We've worked in them together. Yeah. It's uh, there's your program. There's your hours. Fill it up. Do what you want. And uh, 
Let's see if we can get any revenue from it. Yeah, and then the, the other thing, they normally give you a little uh, link where you put the news on on the hour. Um, Absolutely. You know, so, so uh, look, we're talking about aspects of Spain. So it is an aspect of Spain. Um, so let's go next to uh, street markets because we have a very, very um, uh, large street market up here in El Vergel. Um, it stretches for probably uh, more than a kilometre, like the one down in Altea. But I think this one seems to be more intense than the one in Altea or the one in uh, Alfaz. Um, and certainly on a Sunday, it's there probably from about um, eight in the morning. And they probably finish about um, half past one, two, something like that. Uh, yeah, the same, same in, uh, with us. That's the... Uh... It's the same same idea of time wise, um, but but I mean there is something about the street market here that I didn't see maybe in the UK. Certainly where I was living in Cornwall, I don't remember it, and certainly from Wirral days, maybe they exist now. I know that they do um, uh, car boot sales and things like that, but these are very organised, and the same people turn up with uh, produce to sell, and uh, obviously all sorts of different things that you can get for yourself in the market but it's the mix of people that you see when you go to a market that uh, intrigues me um do you feel the same about the mix of the people that attend these things i I, i've seen a massive change when i first came here i loved the markets i thought there's do you remember in altair it was all along the seafront i do yeah closed that main road and it's all it was all along the seafront and now They've changed it completely again. I mean, apart from moving the market back into the central car park, which is a, which is sensible to a degree because you can try and find a, mar- a parking space. The market's become smaller there. It's not as long as it. It's not as big as it used to be. Um, even though it's sort of a square rather than it being a, along the seafront. But I don't think. I think the markets have are now selling more tat and more. <laughs> rubbish than they were before i mean you could actually buy some clothing decent clothing there there are some good clothing stalls um now it's all leather bags leather belts uh knickknacks um and the quality of the clothes that are on sale i mean i mean, ladies tights for example i mean not that i wear that many ladies tights and i keep that for the weekend but uh, <laughs> ladies tights I mean, good grief. I've never seen so many ladies' tights sold down on the market. Mm. But there's, there is a lovely atmosphere because once you've walked through, especially I'm thinking of the one in Albia now, once you've been through it on a Sunday, that one, you go through it and at the end there's the, the chicken, the, the chicken uh, hut or chicken uh, yeah. trailer. And that smell that you get <laughs> wafting over of pieces of pork or pieces of chicken cooking um, – and the fresh fruit stalls where I can remember my, my grandfather was a greengrocer and he would always put in five good apples and one bad one from the back. Well, that was part of the trade, uh, to be perfectly honest, if you went to a greengrocer and allowed them to choose your stuff. Same thing happens here. Same, you'll get, you ask for a bag of oranges, you'll get one non not quite not not perfect put in at the at the end and yeah. pay the same amount but it's still cheap and it's still nice and there, there's nothing nicer than that hustle and bustle 
that you get. But as far as um, I don't, maybe I just blinkered now, but I don't, I don't really notice the, and because I speak Spanish, I don't notice the the foreigners there, which must be a massive amount of foreigners. But because I just me- meander and see the people that I know and speak Spanish. It's just like going shopping, really, for me. It's, it's, but, it, but it's a lovely atmosphere. Yeah. We, we seem to have a, a lot of Arab people um, on the Sunday market here, you know, uh, which, uh, you know, is a comment on the, the, just the population, nothing to do with uh, anything else, religion or politics or anything like that. It's just... It's, you mean selling? Uh, no, no, uh, just visiting the market. Um Re- Arabic, oh, yeah, right. yeah, it, it really is. Uh, there are days when it's very, very noticeable, um, and and obviously, uh, you know, for whatever reasons, I think in this particular area we do get uh, a bigger Arab population. Um, but th- that's a comment on the population, so make up no- nothing more, nothing less. I'm going to go to um, builders next. <laughs> this is something that you will, <laughs> you will be able to tell me a lot more about because. Because <laughs> when we when we first came here, you know, we, we obviously did what other people do. You go and buy a, a, a property or you rent a property or some people might come over and have a caravan for a number of years and live, a, you know, on a caravan site, um, a caravan park, what, what you will. But for those that decide to commit and buy a house, this is the first step of really if you don't bother to learn the language after that, then you will always incur problems unless you can find a valuable builder. Uh, by this, I mean somebody who is not going to rip you off, somebody who is going to do a good job for you, and somebody who is always going to be available um, at the telephone call that you'll make saying, well, look, you know, I want to do this. Uh, could you come and have a quick look? And, uh, you know, like yourself and Terry, who has his building company, um, you know, the the guys come along uh, and g- give you the price. Um, alternatively of course you eventually might also find a spanish builder um and certainly there is seemingly a difference between the way that the spanish builder might work and the way that maybe some of the brits find their builders because the horror stories uh, from people being ripped off even going so far as to not getting planning permission for the house that has been built uh, we've seen people having to take the house and have it destroyed bulldozers arrive in um, illegal build all sorts of things like that uh, that's before we even go near the valencian land grab which again a lot of british people seem to think only affects british people which it doesn't if the uh, Valencian community decide they are going to compulsory purchase your property um, then really you have a huge problem so uh, there's all sorts of things and whilst I'm in this mode I can also take you to La Cala de Finistrat where when I first came here we were uh, being told that there was going to be a very big contract Uh, there's a 
building there that went up to about 14 floors high um, and I went and met the people we were doing uh, pretty well with the negotiating they were telling me they were going to have an ice rink in there we were going to have a television studio a radio station <laughs> you know what wasn't coming my way wasn't worth knowing about um, but it then transpired they hadn't got the license to build what they were building and for uh, until certainly i was there about two years ago uh, the building is just still there as a shell um very I very sad they just started redo i know exactly the building you're talking about They're, they've just started work on it again so somewhere they've got some permissions and some compromise and i think it's all to do a little bit with covid get having a kickstart you know build, having a different approach to things because things were so stagnant but that's my opinion only i think um, also matt um it must also come into the equation that they can only go back so many years so uh, a lot of the spanish seem to be of the opinion <clears throat> that if you have a problem you let it fester and then it goes past the number of years uh, that they can go back and then they start the process over again and try and get the permissions uh, with a new sort of maybe political party and making the decisions. So that comes into it, doesn't it? It does. And, and backhanders. It's something you and I probably aren't really, uh, well, we know about but wouldn't be involved with. But backhanders here are, are, are right, especially within the construction industry, which is how, you know, you could argue and people listening to this would suddenly say, well, how can you start a job then if you haven't got the right permissions in place? Well, there'll have been some sort of bribery gone on somewhere, not to say anything, but, uh, you know, or we will get our permission, won't we? Oh, yes, of course you will. Just hang on a bit. Um, you, you, I think the building industry has a dreadful name in every country. It doesn't matter where you go. Um, the building industry has is not not renowned as being uh, a great one. And I have to say that I didn't have during my twenty years of doing it. I didn't actually have any any issues with anybody. And if there was anything little, I used to resolve it. I used to work for Magnet and Sutton um, uh, Magnet Kitchens, and in, it, what we used to do is go and repair anybody's faults but we would be paid the whole amount of the kitchen to go back to wherever it was and just repair a minor fault or a something that something had gone wrong majorly and have to sometimes refit the whole thing but we would get paid the whole lot but here in spain for a start i brought over with me all my woodworking tools i had big planers industrial planers industrial machines for woodworking when i got here nobody works in wood <laughs> it's hard that there's very little wood and the wood that is here is so expensive. Um, and so it's all, it's a completely different, it's a completely different game here. Everything's concrete, block, uh, brick, lintels, we call them vegas. Um, it's, it's, and the actual people, it's very difficult for me to, to uh, there's lots of different circumstances where things go wrong with building miscommunication is is a is a great one and of course if you don't speak spanish then you could easily be misunderstood or you could misunderstand something that was going to be built or said um i personally even as a builder i was ripped off by my architects 
my uh, mm. the architect system here is is poor to say the least how these were english-speaking german architects but they ripped me ripped me off something rotten and there was one thing after another and in the end i ended up paying about ten thousand euros for permissions that i probably should have only cost me about six thousand and it was nothing to do with me because i didn't know what i was doing i was i relied on the professionals to do it with me so there there are there are lots of horror stories but i i've been lucky i suppose being a builder that i know as soon as i see something happening whether it's right or wrong and i'm not afraid to say no it takes very much indeed here's your money up to now but just go away in so many words yeah um but there's not there's a lot of people that wouldn't inspect and i mean i've, I've never been worried about inspecting work and i think that's another thing people just think because they've given somebody a thousand euros and they go away and it, the job will be done in it when they get back here's definitely not the case and i would never advise anyone to do that in any country but uh, people do yeah okay well look uh, we've only got about 10 minutes left again everything oh goes so quickly but another aspect of life here is that you will be driving along your normal route and suddenly you see workmen putting up um, uh, lights which is going to be uh, at the beginning of the town and then in the town and everywhere in the town and you'll see something like Bonas uh, Bonas Fiesta or Ben Bonas Fiesta you know yeah and and so uh, you've got uh, a bit of a, 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 a castellano uh, sign a valencian sign uh, you've got all sorts of things that could be quite difficult even down to driving through towns uh, which are in valenciano which don't tell you the castellano uh, name of the same town when you need uh, yeah. it you know so yeah. uh, which by the way happens in wales and in welsh so you know well, we've got to keep the record straight but once yeah. those banners go up you know that that particular town for a period of three or four days will be and we use the phrase in fiestas and this yeah. can mean anything from walking along with uh, maybe a cup of tea uh, finding a bull charging down the road at you if you haven't been properly informed uh, because quite honestly there are things which sadly happen we we've had people who have been killed by animals bulls charging towards them in the road um, up in Pamplona for example we see horrendous pictures of people uh, being good because it's uh, something that apparently um, some people find a, a thrill to run in front of the bulls trip over find yourself back in hospital with um, puncture wounds from bulls uh, not particularly my my sense of fun but the fiestas are something different aren't they they are they are amazing they are amazing um they also have uh, groups of people uh, come together they're called peñas and the Peñas all put money every month, eat their personal money, into a big savings pot. And during the fiestas, whether it, normally the patronal fiestas, so the ones of the village, um, you, you'll find that they'll, they'll take over a, an empty locale. Whoever owns these, one, these locales, I don't know, but they've been empty for years. But suddenly somebody will have the key. These Peñas will go in there. They'll transform them into whatever their theme will be. I, I went to one 
last year or the year before. Well, it won't be the year before, but maybe it was two years ago, three years ago. And they've done it out as Dracula's Cavern. <laughs> and this, what the money they'd spent on this place was phenomenal. And the, all the drink, all the food is free. It's obviously not free because it's been paid for mm. by the Peña. And these Peñas have then costumes that they make. And the costumes that they make throughout the year are the most phenomenal. F phenomenal, that's the only word I can describe, really. Costumes, and you see them parading. And, you know, that's, that's the one good, one special thing I think about Spain more than anywhere. The parade. The parade of the uh, padrons. The parades when we have Moors and Christian parades, you you it makes you well up. It makes you fit the. It gives you those goosebumps on your skin to see some of the pride, the prestige, yeah. and the and the, the just excellence of everything as they walk through the town. And then you've got the mock that that always gets me a little bit. The castle, and then one year the Moors wins, and the next year the, the Christians win. Uh, and it's all it's all fair and in love and war, etc. But but it's it's just magnificent, and you just have to stop because that's the difficult thing most of us find. I think when you come to Spain, uh, the lifestyle changes, and you know, stopping at two o'clock for lunch, yeah, um, you know, and and having a siesta. Well, you, 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 it took me quite a long time to actually get into that, that you could, you could do nothing between two and four or five, depending on the time of year. But, and, but then these fiestas, and, and especially when you get to know people on, and you speak Spanish and you get invited to the actual peñas, yeah. it is exhilarating. I mean, that it is, you have no idea what to expect when you go be invited but it is a phenomenal experience, and I feel so lucky that uh, I've been able to be a part of some of that. Yeah, well, uh, look, um, I was lucky because with my boys integrating and, and obviously with Spanish girlfriends, uh, I remember going up to become a guest at the BT Pen Peña um, up in Valencia. And, of course, the thing that we must also add in is the amount of money that gets spent on the fireworks and the oh. mathcleta, because the mathcleta, if, if you haven't been to one, is like the loudest thing that you could possibly um, sort of hear which isn't actually a war zone uh, and if you've not been to one believe me the first time that I was in in one of these um, I mean you actually feel your heart palpitate it's that your loud your body shakes doesn't it, it your does. body shakes yeah uh, I think also that you know people um, can criticise and they do criticise that there's an awful lot of money spent on the fireworks uh, it's like fireworks night but it's all around the country in various towns and villages when they have their um, fiestas and uh, like Matt says you see the, these peñas are so important because I know the, the one that was in Altea uh, just outside our doors of the broadcasting studios uh, that is for life so that you've got people that will come from various parts of the world to go back to the same people that they've maybe been friends with when they were young and and here we are, maybe 50 years later, coming back to visit yeah. the same people, which is 
I think it gives a stabilizing effect on uh, society because, you know, when, when you've got people drinking together, uh, you don't get this in the British way that I remember. Um, you know, the youth club would be sort of one thing and there may be a few people hanging out around a park. I wasn't um, in a particular youth club, but when I used to go and do my discos there, you, you knew that certain things were happening. Whereas here, they legitimately drink with all the different ages to, uh, and it, it's a oh. Thing, isn't it? That's the most amazing thing about it. Everybody turns up from every family. Uh, they're, they're, it's young. I know it's granddads being carried in, putting their wheelchairs in. It's everybody turns up, and it is. And it, these things go on until like four or five in the morning. Then it's not like it's. Uh, they'll do their parade, and they'll have their parade, and then they'll have something to eat, and then they'll go into their pena, and it goes on till four or five in the morning. But that'll be for. Like you say, five days, six days, and it, it, I, I just think it's it's magical. It is really magical. It's something that brings all of the people, the community, together. And each t it it doesn't move from town to town, so you don't get Peñas moving to another place. It stays within their region. And okay, you could say, well, that's very insular, but it's what makes Spain so great is that they have these forces within within the well it's also against the country a little bit because if they if they did combine they would be a much forceful country but that may be for another podcast another day i don't know but yeah no i think that that sounds like a good idea because uh, i watch a program called calle heros which i think uh, you uh, will maybe have seen here and there uh, which gives you a very contrasting picture of say life in madrid and you can see how the police oh. operate and um, <coughs> i think sometimes uh, you, you know, we, we are sort of so different in a tourist area that um, you have to watch the Spanish TV of that type of, um, you, you know, action that's going on in the big cities to really get a, a reasonably good balance of the difference between our life and maybe other parts of Spain. And uh, then, of course, contrast that with uh, something we haven't really spoken a lot about. But of course, and that is the, the life of the beach. You know, down here, it's an important, it's an integral part of our lives. Um, later today, I'll go and walk on the most marvellous beach. Uh, it's about 17 kilometres uh, stretching from here in the direction of um, Valencia and even going back the other way towards Calpe. Um, it's just an amazing part of the way that we can live our lives here in Spain. And I think also, um, you know, you have to accommodate the difference of getting up uh, working in different hours um, as you saw talked about the siesta I was a little bit lucky because I was already practicing siestas but not uh, because of anything that's to do with uh, Spain it was because it was part of a, a stress management that I used to uh, work with um, but um, we've had two weeks now where we've talked about Spain we certainly haven't covered every last bit I do hope people realize we've not talked about uh, football and we haven't talked about uh, the Thank sport. Thank goodness. Thank <laughs> goodness. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but, I mean, the thing is, um, you know, th th that is a huge part of uh, people's lives as well because, you know, round here – practically all conversations maybe not Matt's but certainly people I will meet they want to know immediately are you a Madrid supporter Real Madrid or are you a Barcelona supporter 
and my team Liverpool play Real Madrid tonight. So, <laughs> yeah, that's the Champions you League. Better, you better hide. You better hide. Well, look, I, I'm a chameleon. If I'm with a Real Madrid supporter, I support Real Madrid. If I'm with uh, Barcelona, I'm a Barcelona supporter. You know, it's just basically. I, I just, what about Liverpool? Oh well. Who, who are you going to be supporting then? Well, I'm a Liverpool supporter first and foremost, but even greater than that, I think I like to say, say I'm a football supporter. Uh, I like football. I like watching football. I don't like what football is being used for. But there is another podcast as well. Matt, I'm going to put on the music because I don't believe today... Um Today has gone even faster than what we've been doing over the previous weeks. It's flown Incredible. by. Flown. Gone. Absolutely. Yeah. Matt, it's always a pleasure. And um, I look forward to our chat next week. I'll get us a good topic. Don't worry. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> See you later, Vince. Thank you, Matt. Bye-bye. <laughs>